0: My name is Alex Sarosa, and I'm our lead pastor here at New Life. And I just want to welcome you to service with us. And also just give a big thanks to Jake Widener for bringing over the table. Jake Widener, everybody. It's Pastor Kristen's husband. Using his muscles today. Thank you. Uh, If you're a first time guest here, I just want to let you know that we've been praying and planning for your arrival. Whether you're watching online for the very first time or you're here in the building, thank you so much for deciding to invest some of your day with us. And no matter how many times it's been here, whether watching or being here, I just, I'm thankful that you decided to to join us today. Right now we are in part two of a series called Mobilize. And in this series, we're focusing on two things. The first thing is God and his love and desire for those who are far from him to come to know him as Lord and Savior. And the second thing is our role that he's asked us to play in pursuing those who do not yet know him as Lord and Savior. And one of the first things I noticed when I came to New Life 10 years ago was the desire of Pastor Chris, our founding pastor and the whole entire staff really, but the community here at New Life to reach the loss for God's kingdom. And one of the things that Pastor Chris and the staff have really done a great job of establishing over the years is a culture here where everyone belongs right away. That you coming through this door, no matter what your background is, no matter what you believe, and we want you to know that you belong here. We're thankful that you're here. Whatever you believe, we're we're, we're thankful that you decided to to come here today. We believe that you belong before you believe or behave like Jesus. We believe that because until you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you don't Behave like him. And so we want to make sure to show people the love of Jesus because that's what Jesus did. But then when Jesus did meet people, he called them out of their old life. He didn't leave them there and he asked them to follow him. And once we do that, our lives are forever changed. We see Jesus talk about this in the book of Mark. It says this But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have, come to call, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So Jesus hung out with people that were far from him, with the purpose of showing them the good news of God and to bring them into relationship with their heavenly Father. And once we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the next thing he calls us to do is go and share that good news with other people. And this has always been God's plan for his people. In the Old Testament, before Jesus walked this earth, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, were called to tell about God to the nations around them with the hope that they would come to know God, and this is described by God himself when he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah to the people. It says this in Jeremiah 12:16, And if these nations truly learn the ways of my people, and if they learn to swear by my name, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, just as they taught my people to swear by the name of Baal, who was a, a fake God, then they will be given a place among my people. God wanted the nations to go and tell others about him and he wants us to do the same thing. You see, God is in pursuit of the people in our lives. He's in pursuit of all of us, really. He wants us to know him better and and deeper all the time and he's asked us to join him. But because that sometimes can fill us uh, with maybe some dread, maybe we feel nervous about that, maybe it feels just like it's too big of a task, what we're doing in this series is talking about three practical ways that we can apply this in our daily lives everyday lives, and they come from a writer named Gary Poole. And Gary Poole says if we do these three things, then it will help people see Jesus in our lives, and it will give us opportunities to give people the decision to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. And these are the three steps we're focusing on. The first one is develop relationships, second one is discover stories, and the third one is discern next steps. Last week, we talked about developing relationships, and if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go watch that on our app or the website. And today, we're talking about discovering stories, which is that next step after developing relationships. It's a place where not only do we tell people about what God has done in our lives, but we ask them what God is doing in their life, where well, we hear their story, and, and when we do that, we get to see what God is doing and how He's at work in their Life. And this is a way that we can meet people where they are, which is exactly what the Apostle Paul did. In the first century, he went around telling people about Jesus, and he consciously made a decision to meet people right where they were to tell them the good news. This is how he wrote about it in the letter to the church in Colossae. In Colossians 4, 5 through 6, it says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone discovering stories is all about interacting with people with the love of jesus where we hear them and then we speak as well but we listen and we ask questions as well and when that happens what god's going to do is he's going to open these windows of opportunity for us to be able to share the good news about jesus And this leads us to our take-home point. It's the one point that this message is all about. It comes right from God's word, and it's one that I pray that we will take home with us and live out, not just in the week ahead, but in the life ahead. Our take-home point is this. God presents windows of opportunity for us to share the good news of Jesus with those in our lives. He will open these windows. Why? Because he loves people. And he wants them to know that he exists, and so he's going to open these windows. But I do believe that these windows are only open for a little bit. We'll be in a conversation, and there'll be an opportunity for us to share about Jesus. But then if we wait too long, or if we exit the conversation, that window might be closed. Now, God will open more, but we want to make sure that we can take advantage when those windows do open, and we can trust that God is working in the lives around us, because God pursues everyone and wants us to join him in that pursuit. He wants us to be in pursuit with him. I got to experience this a couple years ago. I was on my way home from Cleveland. I went to a Cleveland Cavaliers game with someone, and, and we drove two hours together, and then we sat through in a three-hour game, and then we drove back two hours. And I knew he wasn't a believer, and it's one of those moments where it's like, you're kind of trapped with me for like a bunch of hours, so we're going to talk about it at some point. Like, not in an evil way, but like, in a, like hey, let's like find a way to kind of bring this up. And so at some point, I was uh, talking about church and, and stuff like that, and so I just looked up, well briefly looked over I was driving and and I asked like what what do you believe about all this stuff? Like what are you thinking about in your head as I'm talking? I just I just want to hear it. Like I wasn't there to, to judge what you're thinking. I just want to know your story. Like where are you at regarding all of this? And he answered honestly, which I appreciated. He said, Well I don't know. He's like I don't know if there's a God or not. I tend to think that there is one. He said, but I have just a main issue with, with what you believe regarding Christianity. I said, oh shoot, go ahead. And he's like Well how would a God that is so powerful and mighty and all-knowing, how would he, or why would he rather, why would he care for people? Like he said, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like they're so small and insignificant if he is that big of a God, why would he even care about what we do or what we don't do, how we treat one another? And I thought, man, that's a good question. And then I thought, I don't know what to say. So I immediately started to pray. All right, God, like, okay, that was a great question. Please give me the answer. And thankfully, this is what God does. He gives us his Holy Spirit who wants to work through us, that wants to bring these answers. This is what Jesus said to the disciples. He was letting them know that once he went to heaven, they would be sharing the good news about Jesus with people that sometimes were opposed to them and that it would be difficult. But he comforted them, letting them know that the Holy Spirit would work through them. This is what he said. It was written down by Mark. It says, for the good news must first be preached to all nations. But when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. So the God of the universe wants to speak through us and he still does today. So in that moment I'm like, all right, God, I don't know what to say. I wasn't closing my eyes because I was driving again, mind you. Um, but I was like, God, what 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 should I say? And then he brought to mind Ezra, my oldest son, which at the time we only had one son, and it was Ezra, he's a newborn baby. And so I thought about it and I said, Well, okay, I, I get what you're saying. God's so big, we're so small, but We're his. I said, I have a son, and Ezra is very small right now. All he does is eat and poop and sleep, and he doesn't do well at any of those things. But I still love him. I love him a lot, and I would do anything to make sure that he lives the best life that that he can, that that God made him to, to live. So I want to be there for him. And so, if God created us, and we're in his image, and we're his, why would he not care about us on this earth? Now he thought about that for a bit and then we went on to something else, but it was one of those cool moments that I know that God planted a seed. And then a couple of years later, we were going to a Cavs game again and he had a question this time. He had a question about God and different religions and he asked me about it and we got to talk and it was some of the best 10 minutes of the whole trip and it gave me perfect ammunition to go back to my wife and say, this is why we go to Cavaliers games. We get to share the good news of Jesus. And so maybe we just keep going back. I tell you that because we have opportunities that God puts before us. And we are given the chance by God to take advantage of the opportunities. I would love to say that every opportunity that has ever been open, I've taken, but that's just not true. There's times where I didn't realize that a window had opened until I got home and I thought about it and go, or you're in the car leaving, you go, oh man, that would have been perfect to say in that moment. Or sometimes I've just honestly wimped out. I've, I felt the Holy Spirit leading and say, oh, you can maybe turn the conversation right here. And I go, I, I will maybe in a moment. Oh man, and then the window passes. Or sometimes I'm just so focused on myself that I don't see it happening. And I just don't wanna miss them anymore. I don't wanna miss those opportunities. A couple of days ago, I was at the dentist's office waiting and I was talking to a family. They had kids and I left that and I thought, man, What a good opportunity. We were talking. I could have walked right into talking about church, but I didn't. I don't want to miss those opportunities. I don't want you to miss them either. The souls of our our family members and friends and neighbors are at stake, and it's just too important not to take advantage of these windows. So one of the things that we can do is we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us every day so that we can uh, see these windows. We can also discover stories by asking questions and then listening and then being willing to respond. Another thing we can do is we can prepare our minds to see these windows. It's cool. God gave us this ability that we, we could ask him and he will open our eyes to see them. But he also gave us this ability to pre-program our brains to be able to notice different things. I learned this last summer on my front porch. Our family was sitting there and when it was nice out, we would play the car game. The car game is very simple. You picked a color. And then when the cars go past, you count your color of car. And then if 10 of your color goes past before 10 of anyone else colors, you win. Very simple game. And insider information here. If you ever play the game, white, black, red, they'll probably get you wins. Gray sometimes, blue sometimes. Every time we played, I picked the same color. I picked my favorite color. I picked orange. And I got to tell you, I have yet to win, but I will someday. There'll be just that magical day where that orange person, they drive past and then they forget something and then maybe go back and forth and it'll be a victory. But the funniest thing started to happen after we played that game and I, I, I kept picking orange we started as a family seeing orange cars everywhere and now it's not because I mean I I thought through this it's not because we started playing the game and then like some car makers made orange cars more readily available it wasn't like that unless I'm on the Truman Show and if I am please let me know about that Uh, but I don't think so I think it's simply because we started noticing them more There was a a switch that was flipped in our brain that allowed us to to see that we were on the lookout. So we started to see them. And the coolest thing happened. As we see orange cars, as we're out and about, Ezra and Joel, my oldest boys, they see them. And they point to them and say, an orange car. Daddy wins. Now, I know it's not a true win, but it still feels pretty good uh, when, when they say that. You celebrate the wins where you can. And I realized that it's not just a coincidence. Maybe you've bought a new car and then everywhere you go, you see that same make and model. It's because God has wired our brains this way. It's because of something called the reticular activating center. And this is what that is. The reticular activating center alerts us to whatever stimuli we either consciously or subconsciously have previously programmed it to notice. So when we're playing the car game, it's pre-programming our brain to see that, right, that same color that we are looking for. So we can do the same thing when thinking about these windows of opportunity. If we're on the lookout, if we know, because he will, if we know that God is going to open these windows, we trust that he's going to be moving and working in the lives around us, we can be on the lookout and we can pre-program our brains. And so then when we're in conversation and things happen that allow us to speak about God, we will be ready. I believe this is what Paul, the apostle Paul, who went through the uh, first century church and shared about Jesus everywhere he went. I believe this is what Paul was really good at. One time he was in Athens, Greece, and as he was walking, he saw, he saw all these statues to false gods, and it gave him a springboard to talk about the one true God. And the story is detailed in Acts chapter 17. We're going to read a bunch of it today, but we're going to start right now just in Acts 17 verses 16. And 17, says this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. So he wanted to bring up what he saw because he was relating with them. He was discovering their story and he started to talk to them. And then God's word tells us that some argued with him. Some thought he was babbling, some actually listen to him. And this is important. Not everyone that we go to share the good news of Jesus with wants to hear it. But that doesn't mean we don't share it. But it does mean that we share it in the love of Jesus. That when we are developing these relationships, we're discovering these stories, we do it by loving people and truly caring for them. And there's this old adage that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And It's true. It's true in these cases. I don't know if you've ever thought of it, but sometimes when people will tell you something but you don't like them or maybe you don't trust them or whatever and you just let it go in one ear and out the other. And that's what happens sometimes. So we, we love people and give them the opportunity to hear, even if sometimes they don't want to or they won't sometimes receive. And then we okay, we, we love them and are kind. And this is what Paul did. And then he kept sharing the good news with people that would listen. So let's pick it up from Acts 17, verses 19 through 26. It says, Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs." Fun fact, I just learned this recently in the Greek and Roman cultures when they would sacrifice food to gods and that's what they would do to Zeus or whoever they wanted to sacrifice food to. They did it with the belief that that those deities needed to eat. So it was like a a portion of giving it to them. So Paul, knowing that story, knowing about it, was trying to point out our God is bigger than that. So um, it's good to, I just thought it was a fun fact. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. The writer of the book of Acts is this guy named Luke. And Luke went around and he interviewed eyewitnesses and he wrote down what they said. But he also traveled around with Paul. And so he knew firsthand a lot of things that Paul went through. Through And I love that he pointed out to us, the readers, that the Athenian people really like to discuss new ideas. And why is that important? Because Paul obviously knew that. So he thought, okay, they want to hear new ideas. I'm going to share an idea. I'm going to talk about the God of the universe. And he talked about their statue to the unknown God. And he met them where they were. He heard their story. He understood it. And he met them where they were. And he shared the good news of Jesus. And then this is how the story concludes when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So we can live like this, like Paul lived. We could be on the lookout. We can pre-program our brain to see when these windows of opportunity open. We can ask questions that help us discover people's stories and we can be ready to to answer these uh, questions that we get and to jump through these windows of opportunity with the love of Jesus and the story of what he's done in our lives. Another thing that we can do, and this is so uh, crucial to the story, is we could have other people pray for us. When we go into these situations, we can ask people to be praying on our behalf, asking the Holy Spirit to work while we're in conversations. A couple years ago, I went out to dinner with a friend of mine who, uh, we play board games together. I knew he at the time uh, wasn't a believer. And so before I went, I was in a meeting with Pastor Chris and Pastor Barry, our founding and executive pastor. And I asked them simply to be praying for me, to be praying for him and the conversation ahead. And then as I went into the conversation, I was looking, okay, when is an opportunity to share about Jesus? And eventually our jobs came up, and so I got to talk a little bit about what happened uh, in the process to become a lead pastor. I told him the miracle of God speaking to me, and I said that that doesn't happen all the time, but I heard him clear as day in 2017 that I'd be the lead pastor. And and he thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. And then later on, the conversation conversation went to an orphanage in Myanmar because I sell board games sometimes and give money to there, and so it just kind of went there. And I thought, oh, I got to share that story. So then I got to share the story of God working in Myanmar and the miracles he has done. And now at the end of the meal, he didn't say, all right, can we pray uh, right now for Jesus? I would love for that to have happened, but it didn't happen. But the cool thing is God was able to plant seeds there. In college, I heard that some people need to hear the gospel of Jesus seven times before they uh, believe in him as Lord and Savior. Now that's probably not exact science, but what he was trying to get at is we don't know where we're at in the process. We don't know where the other people are at in the process. We might be the second time they're hearing about it or the fourth time. They might just not be ready, but what we could do is be faithful and answer these questions and go through these windows of opportunity. And while we do that, let's ask other people to pray for us. Paul talked about this and requested this prayer from the church in Colossae. He said, devote yourself a prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I would proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Now, one of the things when we go into these conversations that we can be mindful of is the opportunity that we have to drop clues or hints of our relationship with Jesus. We can talk about him in just a non-threatening way, just about our lives when it comes up. For instance, a plumber was at my house a little bit ago to fix some stuff in the basement, and we were talking about work, and and I told him I was on my day off, and I thought, ooh, I could just simply share that I'm a pastor. Just kind of like ease that into the conversation. And it was cool, because the next time he came back, he remember that. Now, you can do the same thing. Mind you, probably don't tell people that you're a pastor if you're not one, because um, that's just a lie, and we don't want to do that. Uh, unless you are a pastor, Pastor Kristen, Pastor Mark, feel free to do that. Uh, but if, uh, if not, what you can do is simply talk about your relationship with God in pretty non-threatening ways. For instance, tomorrow, maybe you go to work or you're going to school and someone asks how your weekend. You could say, i Bunch of different things. You could say, watch the Super Bowl or it was beautiful weather. And you could also say about how you went to church. If there's something that you're a member from it, you could share that too. But you could just simply say, oh yeah, I went to church with the family. I did this. And it's one way to just drop a hint. Or maybe in the morning, some morning, you, you get up and you, you read the Bible or you're speaking with God or listening to God, or maybe you're going through the Bible in one year playing with Nikki Gumble, which we started during the prayer and fasting time, and then you get to work or school or wherever you're going and someone says, how was your morning? And maybe they won't ask that, so maybe you ask them first, how was your morning? Because a lot of times they'll ask it back to you. And then during that answer, you can simply say something like, yeah, I mean, I woke up and I read my Bible like I normally do, and then I uh, got my coffee or whatever, and then you came to work. And so these are ways that we can drop just clues about our spiritual relationship with God. If you're in high school or junior high, and someone says this week, like, hey, is anything interesting coming up this weekend? What are you doing this weekend? You could simply say, I'm going to Venue 139 on February 16th and 17th. You could come too. And so through these things, they might not form full-fledged conversations all the time, but they will give us opportunities, maybe then or later, to have full-fledged conversations about God. They can open windows of opportunity. Gary Poole, the the writer of the book, The Three Habits of Highly Contagious Christians, talked about this. He said, as you consistently hang out together with seekers, those unknowingly or knowingly seeking God, and drop clues right away about your own spiritual life and interests, it's often just a matter of time until the window of opportunity opens right in front of you. And God will open those windows. That plumber that I told you about, he came back, uh, because I had a couple more leaks, and uh, he came back, and while he uh, was starting the work, he had a friend with him, he said, hey, did you say you were a pastor last time I was here? I said, yes, I am, and he said, I got a few questions for you, which I actually was kind of excited about. I was like, all right, let's go. And then for the next hour, we talked. About the 45 minute mark, I apologized to the other guy working. I said, I'm sorry, this guy's not working at all for you. I'm taking up all of his time. And the guy turned around and said, no, 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 I want to I keep hearing. And the questions were pretty deep. He asked some about how do you know God exists and how do you know that Christianity is the, the right religion to follow? How do you know that Jesus came and died and rose again? He asked about biblical marriage. He asked about a lot of things. But during that, I also got to ask him questions. I asked him about his upbringing, and he talked about how he used to go to church and some of the church hurt he had, and I got to hear some of his story. And At one point, he talked just about doubts that he had, and I got to share about doubts that I've had as well, too. And I talked about how God has helped me to overcome them, and I shared what I have learned over the last few years. As the Holy Spirit continued to bring up things in my mind that I've gone through, that I've learned, I just shared them. Even when he talked about biblical marriage and what that looks like, I simply just shared what we talked about here in the fall during our message series about the four loves and during the conversation you could tell like I just could feel the Holy Spirit was moving and working at one point both of them had stopped and were just looking as as I got to share about kind of what kind of stuff God has been doing in my heart and after they left which was like the best part of my day after I left I went upstairs and Rachel my wife said that she could hear what was going on but couldn't hear everything but knew something was happening so she had been praying I've been praying for the Holy Spirit to work through me and that they would listen and hear the, the two guys that I was talking to. It was a moment where a window was opened and the Holy Spirit moved and we got to have this conversation where we got to discover stories and God was glorified in that. And I pray that all of us would have these opportunities ahead because God's got to work. He is moving. He is pursuing people. So let's be ready for when these windows open open so that we could use them to further God's kingdom on this earth. And a couple ways that we can be ready are simply by investing time with God, by reading his word and by praying and coming to, to worship and to gathering with other believers. We can also be ready to share the good news of Jesus when people talk to us about it. This is the, the plea that Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, gave to the early church. He said this, and it's in 1 Peter three fifteen and 16. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Peter said that we must be prepared. <laughs> to give an answer for the hope that we have. And one of the very practical ways that we can do this is by being prepared to share the story of how God has brought us to him. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have a story. You have a powerful story where at one point you were far from God and he reached down and brought you into his family and made you new and brought you into a relationship with him Forever. I know some people have said in the past, well, I don't have really a good story of that. We call it a testament. I don't really have a good testimony because I was saved when I was four. And I always say that that's an amazing testimony. I want that for all of my boys that they follow God. How amazing the faithfulness of God throughout your whole entire life. All of us have a story to, to, to tell. And if Jesus has changed our lives, we can share that with people. It's one of the best ways to tell people about Jesus Because there's a lot of other things that they might try to poke holes in, but your story is the one that God brought in your life. And you sharing that will help other people see Jesus in you. So right now what we're going to do is we're going to really go through three steps. How do you write a testament? If you've never done this before and you're someone like me and I like detail and I kind of like a a how-to, we're going to put three steps on the screen. And as we do that, I'd encourage you uh, to take note of them and then to take these home and to actually do it, to, to think through. You don't have to write it down, but you can think through it. And then if you do, I'd encourage you to practice it. Practice it with a loved one or a friend of yours. Just share your story. It could be three to five minutes of just what God has done. It's in the outline, it's also on the digital outline if you're watching online. And but we're going to have it up here as well if you wanted to take a, a picture of it. But so, okay, step one. When you're looking at your testimony, we write down or we think through how life was before giving complete control of it to Jesus. And then when we're doing that, we can answer these questions. They might help us think of of how to talk about step one. Here are the questions. What was in my life that would be relatable to non-Christians? What did my life revolve around most? And what did I find my security and happiness in? How did those areas begin to let me down? So if I was talking about step one, I'd share about the anger and the hopelessness and and the the self-hate that I dealt with, the fact that I didn't have this love relationship that really I was made to have with the God of the universe. And then step two is this, how I came to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. So some helpful questions are right there. When was the first time I heard the gospel and what were my initial reactions? When did my attitude or perspective begin to change about Jesus and why? What struggle was I going through in my mind before I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? And why did I eventually commit my life to and trust Jesus? So for me, I would share that I first heard about him when I was very young at VBS, but then later on in high school, I got to hear it again. But I really got to see it in the lives of the the believers around me. You spoke a little bit about that last week. And then finally, I gave my life over to Jesus because I wanted that relationship with him. Step three, We talk about after I trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. So what was life like after? What specific changes has Jesus made in me since having him in my life and how am I motivated differently? So, for me, I felt like this weight immediately left. It was just brought off my shoulders, and I became new. Not everything has been easy since then, but everything has been better. And so, once you think through that and you write that down, I'd encourage you, again, to practice it, to write it in your voice. And if you want help with that, writing that, or you want me to look at it, I would love to just look at testimonies all day because it's just a powerful way to see what God's doing. You can always reach out about any questions, uh, really, for alex at newlifexn.org. I'd encourage you to do so if you want. Um, some help with, with writing your story. And your story is powerful because Jesus loves you. He made you, he created you, he died and rose again for you to bring you into this relationship with him. And once we come into that relationship, he's called us to go and share his good news with the world. So we develop relationships and we discover stories. We ask questions and we drop hints and we pre-program our brain to, to see these windows of opportunity and we ask the Holy Spirit to work in us and we ask other people to pray for us too and we stay prepared and ready to share the good news of Jesus and we can do that through today's next step which says I will look for and respond to windows of opportunity this week. I'll look for them and respond to them as well. I wanna share a story with you to, to end today. It's one that just happened yesterday, so it's not written down, but I, I have to share it with you. Um, at the the girls' basketball team in knock, they hold an optional... Bible study every Saturday. The coach of that is Shane. He's going to be up here praying in a little bit. Um, and his wife, Shannon, she's going to be up here praying in a little bit. And uh, and I, I got to talk to Shannon yesterday about this Bible study. A few weeks ago, they had uh, Pastor Chris there. He's our founding pastor. He's watching in uh, Mexico right now. Buenos dias, uh, Pastor Chris. And uh, we also have uh, Tammy Summers spoke there. And, um, and Jennifer Cadmore, who was here earlier today, uh, spoke there. And then Yesterday, uh, a girl from Butler, she's a high school girl, her name is Macy. She recently came to know that Lord is, uh, uh, Jesus is Lord and Savior. She was struggling with the same anxiety. She went into uh, church and she gave her life over to Jesus. It was a victory in Cranberry. And she knows Shannon. So Shannon asked her simply to come and share her story. She was able to relate with these girls because, well, she is in high school already and she came and shared her stories. Now, some of those girls already are Christians, praise be to God, but the coolest thing happened. When she was coming, Shannon told me that everyone showed up. Like it's an optional Bible study. You didn't have to. And if that was the end of the story, that would be praise enough, that they all came to hear what God is doing. But after the message was done, Macy shared an opportunity for people to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And seven of those girls gave their lives over to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen. God gave Macy a story. He redeemed her and then asked her to join him. And she saw this window of opportunity and she partnered with the McGraws and she was able to share it and God be the glory for that. And God wants us to do the same thing, to find these windows and to share what he's done. If you're in here and you're you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior, Well, we've said it already, but God loves you so much, and He wants to come into this relationship with you. And if you want to know how to come into a relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior, here at New Life, we often say it's as simple as A, B, and C. The process is simple. You start by admitting who we are and who He is. We admit that we're sinners, which simply means we miss the mark. We don't always hit it. Uh, That God has asked us to live a certain way, we don't always live that way. We also admit that we need Jesus as our rescuer from sin and death, we call that our Savior. We also believe. We believe in him as Lord, which means master, owner, and God. We believe in him as our Savior. And then we confess. We confess our sins. We confess our need for Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then we commit to living this life, not by ourselves, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, guiding us every single day. So right now, we're going to have a time of prayer. And if you do know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'd encourage you to be praying for those in the room or online or in your life that don't yet know him as Lord and Savior. And I pray that right now, if you do want to know him as Lord and Savior for the first time, that you will pray alongside me. Because I'm going to pray as if I were you. And I encourage you to pray with your own words, your own mind, to the God of the universe who's here right now and wants to hear from you, wants to speak to you. So right now, would you please pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for being here. I pray that you'll hear this prayer. I know you will. From all of those who want to know you as Lord and Savior for the first time. As we pray, dear God, I believe you are the one true God. And I believe Jesus, your son, came, died, and rose again for me. I admit that I'm a sinner and I fall short. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior today. Make me new. Holy Spirit, fill me. Guide me. Direct me every day. Thank you, God, for bringing me into your family and making me new. Pray this in Jesus' name. And dear God, for all of us, Holy Spirit, fill us up. Guide us. Give us eyes to see how you're working lives around us and help us to join you in this pursuit for the lost. It's so important. You want us to, to reach the loss for your kingdom, and I pray that we'll see lives change this week. Praise you for Macy and her testimony. Praise you for and what you did in the lives of the seven girls, and I pray that they would just continue growing closer to you every day. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.